Thank you for joining us today on the Real Hope Community Church podcast. This is an interview that Pastor Craig and Pastor Russell did during our sermon time this past Sunday with Chad and Rebecca Vogt, who are missionaries that we support in Chad, Africa. And it was a blessing to have them with our church while they were home uh, for a short time. And uh, I hope that you enjoy this interview and that you are blessed by this interview and that you would consider partnering in prayer and financially with Chad and Rebecca Vote. For more information on that, you can go to realhopecc.com. Well, good morning, church. Welcome. Uh, we are going to do things a little bit different this morning. Um, we uh, had an opportunity to have the votes in town, as many of you know, and so uh, at a normal time in our gathering where we would do the prayer for the kingdom and we would pray for um, uh, a missionary or hear a testimony or pray about um, some way the kingdom is advancing, we are going to have an opportunity to spend a little more extended time hearing from Chris and Rebecca Vote. I'm going to invite them up in a second, but um, as uh, we have been going through Second Corinthians uh, through our series Counterculture, and we are um, finding ourselves in chapter 8. And I'm going to read a few of those verses uh, before we begin. But I, I just wanted to, uh, again, take a little bit extended time because I feel like there'll be a blessing to us as we talk this week to hear and interact with them. Um, we are picking up in uh, chapter 8 in future weeks. And so we'll hear these taught on more next week uh, as we start a four-week series, if you will, in the book on generosity. But I'm just going to read a few verses and then invite them up because I think uh, they embody this as uh, they uh, live through some of these things in their ministry. Um, it says in chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, this, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. We want you to know about the grace of God, and that even through affliction, they abound in joy. I want to invite up Chris and Rebecca and Pastor Russell as well. Um, we want to spend a little time uh, hearing about the grace of God in their life, and that even through affliction in some of their ministry, um, they continue to abound in joy. And so we're going to have them up here. Yep, I believe that one's on. You good there? And that one's on. And uh, spend a little time just chatting with them about ministry, and we have some questions planned for them. Uh, but we as uh, a church family were invited to spend some time with them on Wednesday night in fellowship. Uh, and then as elders, we actually had extended time with them on Thursday morning. And after we were done, uh, Russell and I and the elders talked and said, we just want to have an extended time with them to hear their heart in ministry and to um, just hear some of the things that they have grown in, struggled through, obviously want to hear about what they've been doing and what they might be doing, as maybe you're curious yourself. Um, but just a time of uh, informal question and answer. So welcome, Chris and Rebecca. Uh, maybe you can take uh, just a couple minutes to introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about um, your ministry that you've been a part of as much as our church family would know. Well, it is a privilege to be with you all, and we know that you guys have prayed for us, um, and you have loved us, and even though you haven't really met us, and we feel very humbled by that and grateful to be with you guys. Um, our family, we are called the Vote Tribe, 
Uh, we've got our tribe here. We have our oldest, David, Naomi, Jonathan, Anava, Jeremiah, and Lilia, aged 12 down to 19 months. You got all those right. Yes, I think I did. <laughs> um, but they are just as much a part of what we are doing as Rebecca and I, and that's um, important for us. And uh, my wife, Rebecca, we have been married for, it'll be 15 years this summer, and grateful to have her as my main partner um, in all that we do, and um, yeah, grateful to be here. We have been missionaries for about 14 years almost, and we spent most of our time in Uganda, in East Africa, and then made a transition from Uganda to, had our sights on Chad, and many of you know that we spent about a year and a half in France learning French before that, and got to Chad, hit the ground, and then uh, it was kind of like a plane that comes down, lands, and then just keeps on going, and it gets up again. <laughs> um, that's kind of what it felt like. <clears throat> it was uh, just um, a very quick four months for us, um, and yet we know that God was glorified in it. Um, as for those of you who don't know, our, our main hope is that um, we could extend the worship of Christ in Chad to those who have never heard that is our, our hope, is that the unreached, those who have no access to the gospel, who have never heard of Christ, um, will know this good news. And praise to God, we've seen that already. Even in the short time that our family has been praying for Chad, and even the shorter time that we are actually there, um, the Lord was merciful to give us fruit. Um, and we didn't, we didn't do anything. We just prayed, <laughs> showed up, um, rolled around in some mud, got sick, went home. <laughs> and <laughs> that's kind of what we did. But God was merciful, and he loves to answer the prayers of the saints. And I believe that the prayers that you prayed for us, the prayers that were being prayed by many people beforehand, the labors of those who have been in Chad for many decades, um, all that put together, we saw um, God receiving glory from people who had never heard of him before. So that, in a nutshell, is kind of what our family is about and um, what God has seen fit to do thus far. Excellent. Uh, maybe, Rebecca, you could explain a little bit about ministry in France versus Chad and just some interaction you had in either of those. Um, well, honestly, when we went to France, we were kind of like, well, this is just language learning. And, you know, Lord, if you would be pleased to give us three people that we could share your gospel with, you know, that would be wonderful. And so that was our prayer. And, um, yeah, just our time in France turned out to be so different than what we expected. Um, we did end up putting our kids in school, which was both very scary and exciting at the same time. Um, but through that, we just were able to connect with so many different people. Um, and so I was pregnant with our six, like walking to school, and I'm just like, oh, Lord, what am I doing? I'm trying to learn French, and all I'm doing is like sick on the couch and... As I woke up, one of the Muslim moms, because as you know, France has opened their borders, not really opened their hearts or their relationships. It's very mm. segregated. But she just looks at me and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, <laughs> nope, <laughs> it's really heavy today. And she was like, I can imagine. But through that tiny little interaction, these Muslim moms just kind of started loving on me. And of course, I loving on them. And they ended up throwing me a baby shower for Lilia and just started asking me questions because they had never met a true Christian. Their only concept of Christians were Catholics. And so, oh, you don't pray to Mary? No, I don't pray to Mary. And, oh, the Pope can't just change the Lord's Prayer? No, he can't change the Lord's <laughs> Prayer. And 
So just teaching them what is grace. And um, so we had chances with even Muslims in um, France. Our um, language teachers were just flabbergasted. Um, the Lord saw fit through his grace to teach me French very unorthodoxly. And they were just like, very Rebecca. Quickly. Very quickly. <laughs> they're like, Rebecca, how did you learn French? And I'm like, it's a gift from the Lord. And they're kind of <laughs> like, okay, we're agnostics. We don't believe in God. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And then same thing for Chris. He was a little bit slower. And I kept saying, when he gets it, it'll be from the Lord. And then all of a sudden, and they said, Rebecca, how did he learn French? And I was like, it's from the Lord. And they're like. Most husbands are a little bit slower. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> so it was just an amazing opportunity to engage with even the French professors who had never really seen true Christians. And so um, the Lord just gave us way more than three opportunities um, to just share the gospel of Christ in all of these situations. Chris, um, you've shared with us some about um, how France is maybe further down the road of rejecting God and being uh, a secular culture, secular society. Tell us about your um, just experience sharing the gospel in an even more secular culture than ours. Um, I don't know how much of you guys know about the history of France, but they were predominantly a Catholic nation for, you know, centuries. Um, but they are much more secularized, far more than we are in the U.S. Um, that can be imagined. Um, they, I would say here, people generally have the idea, if they're not a Christian, that I've been there, done that kind of thing. Um, I know what that's about. I don't want it. Um, whereas in France, um, it's more of a, a distant memory. Um, they're not really sure what the gospel is. Uh, all they have is this, this vague picture of what uh, Catholicism is and a lot of crosses here and there and um, a lot of misunderstandings. Um, so much so that um, one of the professors that we had admitted that even when she was a Catholic growing up, she didn't even read their Bible. Um, another one of our professors, when I brought my Bible to class, she picked it up and she examined it. She's like, oh, so this is a Bible. Wow. And she mm. like opened it up and wow, a lot of tiny words, and oh my, this is kind of pretty. And, you know, she had never seen one, never picked it up. So, I mean, that gives you any idea of just um, where the culture is there. And yet, there was so much, I would say, a curiosity about Scripture, about spiritual things that I think is not as much here in the U.S. For, for those who may call themselves agnostics or atheists or secular humanists, um, there is a, a curiosity, like, what do you believe? What are you about? Because they hear things about America and, you know, uh, Christians in America, and they, they, they have distortion, distorted views of that too. But um, we had so many opportunities to share Christ um, with a lot of these um, French people who just know nothing about the church um, or Christ at, at all. And like I said, they had lots of questions, and they gave us the freedom just to answer them. Now, we did it in French, so how much we, we, we probably butchered their language as we did it, but they um, were very gracious. Mm. And through that, um, we just saw God was glorified. Um, we tried to put him above ourselves and um, make him attractive and desirable to these people. And we believe that there will be fruit from it, um, though we haven't seen it quite yet. Great. Um, could you also just tell us, I know that you plugged into a church there in France. Could you tell us a little bit about your experience with the believers that were in that mm -hmm. city and your experience there in the church, either of you? 
Sure. Um, it was interesting because what was the population in that area? I think the, the city we were in maybe was 100,000 or so. And so there was this one little church with about maybe 100 people, and it was a radius of about an hour away. And so you'd see everybody on Sunday, which was a blessing, and they'd have meals after church once a month, and they really did seek to have community, and they'd have fellowships and home groups. But it's this one church drawing people from a radius of about an hour away, and they were very gracious with us, you know, sitting with us and listening to us butcher their language, but um, we were just so thankful that the Lord gave us a body of believers in that area, and so. It's, it's sobering to be in the Alps, and if any of you have been there, you've got these enormous mountains and these great big green valleys, and you look across these valleys, and you know there are no gospel-believing Bible churches in this area. And so you've got all these people scattered village and village after village on the, on the mountainsides and the valleys. And there's no believers. There are no churches. Um, well, there's empty Catholic churches. Empty, They're just yeah, buildings. Right. That are more like works of art than they are um, really alive. And it is, it's a sobering thought to, to be in that place and see the glory of the mountains. Like God is saying, here I am. I'm, I'm beautiful. I'm, I'm big. And, and yet miss it every single day. And I think, I think places like France really, really are in need of um, the witness of believers there. Um, we need people to learn a second language to go to places like this um, that are in need of the gospel. So. I, I wanted uh, our church family to interact with them because when we spent time with them, they, they're just real Christ followers, disciples that just want to be led by the Lord. And I'll make you tell this story again, um, just because uh, Rebecca's heart in this, and I think you can relate to just being obedient, but uh, the story when you're on the way in the rain, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, the grace, you save by grace. Yeah. So Your turn. Yeah. <laughs> we were staying with our friends in France, and um, honestly, I wasn't feeling very good because of their house and something there. So I went on this walk, and um, as I'm out on the walk, I turn around, and I'm starting to come back, and the words in French just kept coming to my mind, you're saved by grace, you're saved by grace, and I'm like, Lord, why is this coming to my mind? And I saw these two people walking towards me, and I was like, do you want me to tell them that? Like, that'd be kind of weird. <laughs> and so they come closer, and I'm like, Lord, if you want me to tell them, then they need to, like, at least stop and greet me and, like, you know, look at least interested that I'm here and they just like buzzed right by me. And so after they passed me, I'm like, sorry, Lord, I was not bold enough. I just flew in. Who can't relate to that, right? Just the spirits prompting, ignoring it. So I was like feeling guilty. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this old man who was up on a balcony up above me, and it was starting to rain, so I was kind of running. And he's like, hey, you're going to have to dry that little Bonnie thing, because I had my hat on. And, and it was like, I kind of laughed, and then before I knew it, I'm like, hey, do you know you're saved by grace? And his <laughs> eyes got this big, and my eyes got that big, too, because I was like, did I just say that? Like, where did that come from? And he just is looking at me, and he's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, we need God. I mean, look at these beautiful mountains. Who do you think created them? And he's like, okay. And I said, do you have a Bible? And he's like, yeah, I do. And so he like ran inside and got it and brought it out. And it was so dusty. It was clear he had never read it. And I said, well, you know, have you ever thought about reading it? And he looks at me and he's just like, where are you from? <laughs> and I'm like, 
well, I'm staying with some friends just down there in the village. And he's like, really? You're just like right down there in the village. And then finally I said, well, there's a pandemic going on. There's nothing else to do. You may as well read your Bible. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, I, I didn't go farther than that, but I trust that the Lord will graciously use that small step yeah. to open the word and allow the word to confront them. Yeah, I just, I heard that story this week and I couldn't help but think how much we relate to that with the prompting and just the obedience and then the opportunity that we have here to be led by the Lord in the same way. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I think one of the things that it's really taught me is the power of prayer in it. You know, it's not going to be by my strength that I'm going to be able to engage somebody, speak something, and they be changed. It's only yeah. in Christ. And I think, you know, I'm not going to perfectly witness or evangelize or anything. And yet, I don't know, just the power of prayer to be honest with where I am. And then the Lord say, that's okay. Be who you are. Let me be the one to open your mouth. And Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we think evangelism is really hard, but honestly, just give people the word, you know, put it before their eyes, tell them your favorite verse, you know, open scripture and say, hey, this is where I find life and hope because it's otherworldly. It really is. It shows that your treasure is in something other than everything else that everybody else is going after. And to put it in the word and ground your foundation in that word is powerful. You don't have to say much. You know, you just, you just testify to the words of God, and we know that they are living and active and they have power. So I would just encourage you that, as I encourage myself, you know, I feel like that's where we see the fruit the most often is just when we, we bring the word, both together mm -hmm. by ourselves, but also with people that um, don't know it. Could you tell us about... Um your journey in prayer over the past couple of years. I know that you are, um, you're convinced that what the Lord has done is largely through prayer. And I've been challenged by um, just the heart of prayer that I see in you guys. And hmm. um, just tell us more about that journey and kind of how, how you've seen God work in you guys and in others. Well, I would, I would say it really began with my wife. Um, back in Uganda, <laughs> like I said, like she said, women can tend to catch on to things more quickly. Or maybe that was Craig. <laughs> I, I was me. Yeah, I, Craig. <laughs> my wife is here too, so that's yeah. why I said that. Years ago when we were in Uganda, we started praying for Chad as a family. And that was mainly due to my wife who started initiating that. And um, as a family, we started taking interest in, in Chad as a, as, a, as a family and getting to know the country and whatnot. And it wasn't, you know, oftentimes... We, with the kids, we'd be like, aren't, aren't you glad we're in Uganda and not in Chad? Like, Chad is this, like, burning wasteland. It's this desert place, and Uganda's lush and green. And never thought God would actually bring us there, um, but he did. And so along that journey, we saw God answering our prayers. Um, and as we prayed, even as a family, our kids got to see God at work in the things that we prayed for. Um, I'll just tell you one cr crazy story that, that happened to us while we were support-raising. Um, we were driving along an interstate in upstate New York and happened to bump into somebody at the rest station um, that we had never, we hadn't seen in like 10 years hmm. and uh, had a five minute conversation. They said, oh, you're missionaries. Why don't you send us an email? And we did. Send them, send us, uh, send us, give them our email so that they could uh, potentially uh, partner with us. But months went by, never heard from them again. Well, I'm writing our update newsletter and I realized that we need about $1,300 
uh, to be exact, is $1,380 per month still before we could actually go to chat. So I'm, I'm sending out this, this newsletter to go out to people. As I'm writing it, I get an email from these people who, um, that we met, hadn't seen in a long time, and they said, hey, my husband and I have been talking, and we'd like to support you at $1,380 per month. First of all, who does that? <laughs> Second of all, who has the money to do that? And yet, that was a, I had just calculated the figure five minutes before. So they couldn't have known it. I just calculated how much we still needed. Five minutes later, I get an email, and I just scrapped the whole letter. <laughs> and it, and our, we tell this to our kids, and they're like, wow, God must really want us in Chad. And it's things like that, like, especially as we were preparing for that, that we were like, God, do you really want us to do this? We don't have the strength for this. We do not have the resources for this. And again and again and again, God would remind us, yes, I'm with you. Yes, I see you. Yes, keep walking, keep going forward. And um, we've seen that both in, in the support that we've had to raise, but also in what has happened in Chad. And as a family, our church back home, we have had a number of people praying for us. You guys have prayed for us. We're still praying, and um, we're praying for Chad almost every single week as a family and with others, um, hoping and praying for the glory of God to be revealed um, in that country more and more and more. I would say one other thing to add just in our own journey of prayer is um, I think towards the end of our time in Uganda, we started to realize that most of our prayers were defensive prayers in the sense of, oh, one of the kids is sick, let's pray, or oh, we need this, let's pray, or oh, um, in that sense. And so um, the Lord, I don't, he really just challenged me, like, I want to see offensive prayers. I want you to be thinking about mm. the kingdom and asking me for opportunities. And um, honestly, like, boldness was not something that was part of who I was. And I started noticing that Paul himself asks, pray for me that I would have boldness. And I was like, oh, if the Apostle Paul needs to pray for that, I probably do too. Mm. And then to see him give me that in France, I mean, even to just open my mouth in those ways in a different language, I knew it was from the Lord. It wasn't something that I had done. It was God answering those prayers. And so just the challenge for us to recognize that don't just, I mean, yes, pray when you need something or pray, look to God for the answer when you are struggling, but also to just sit with him, spend time with him. You know, if I have a date with my husband, how much more should I have a date with Jesus? Hmm and just sit with him, listen to him, spend time with him, and, um, and then pray for opportunities. And so Fridays have kind of become our day of prayer, mostly because that's the Muslim day of prayer. And so we just want to be, as they're praying, which is not really praying, we want to be praying and just asking and imploring the Lord for opportunities in the Muslim world, whether that's France or Chad or wherever he may take us. Um, and so that was something that really challenged me. Yeah, I can almost hear the, I was drawn back to 2 Corinthians, the verse I just read, as those friends of yours begging earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints as if they were praying, Lord, show me um, who to give this money to and who to support and, and in that way. Um, speaking of 2 Corinthians, I know you have studied this, uh, which is another reason why we wanted to sit down with them uh, in, in light of personal struggles you've had and challenges with your family, how has the book, uh, letter, Second Corinthians, spoken to you? And it's kind of like an open question to speak on that. 
Um, um, so when we came back from Uganda, um, that was a really hard season. And um, we had even done some counseling to just be like, we need help. Like, we are just really struggling. And um, the counselor just really challenged us. Like, you need these date with Jesus, dates with Jesus. He didn't call them that, but he was like, you need to sit at Jesus' feet. And so Chris began giving me, um, you know, a day of the week to just sit at Jesus' feet. And um, so then I started calling them my dates with Jesus. But all that to say, I started studying 2 Corinthians. And um, when I was in chapter one, I had read it quite a few times. And then all of a sudden, this phrase that Paul says, you know, Paul himself despaired of life itself. And it just struck me because I was in that place of despair. I was in that place of struggle. Um, you know, I'd like to say that I haven't been there again, but I would say I've been there again and again and again mm. over the last year especially. And, um, and yet I love how Paul says, you know, I want you to know, brothers, that when we were in Asia, we despaired of life itself. But it wasn't that we would rely on ourselves. It would be that we would rely on God who raises the dead. And um, that was a beautiful picture for me. And so then as I was continuing to study 2 Corinthians, I get to chapter, I think it's 4, where it talks about, you know, for this light and momentary affliction is nothing compared to glory. And I'm like, hold on a second. He just said that his affliction caused him to despair of life itself. And it really struck me how so often the affliction I would experience, I would belittle. I would just be like, well, it's light and momentary, and it's okay, and we just need to push through. And the Lord just really showed me, like, no, when I am belittling my affliction, I'm actually belittling the compared to glory. And so when my affliction is weighty and mm. great, it's compared to glory that it's light and momentary. And that um, encouraged me even more. And to be honest, you know, you then go to 2 Corinthians 12 and where it talks about, you know, Paul is like, I gladly boast in these afflictions for the sake of Christ. And, you know, I'm not there yet. <laughs> and I don't know mm. if he chooses by his grace to give me the ability to boast in gladness. Um, that will be by his grace alone. Um, because... Um, as much as I have experienced and tasted the goodness of the Lord, it's still hard. Life still has challenges that mm. you wish you could just pray and would go away. And although he does say my grace is sufficient for you, um, it's easy to have my eyes on myself and not say it's for the sake of Christ and trust him in that um, We know that it's been a challenging season for you guys. Um, maybe for those that haven't kept up as much, don't know, just kind of share about the circumstances of that with the moves and kind of some of Rebecca's health issues. And so one of the reasons why we left Uganda was because we had been living in a moldy house for a couple of years and didn't realize its ramifications on her health for quite a while until she was lying on the floor. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and she's developed it, I would, I would say it's more than an allergy. It is just an extreme of, um, reaction against mold. Um, 
and when she is put in a, an environment that is moldy, she, her body just starts to tank. And we've seen that again and again and again on three different continents and in multiple different countries. Uh, wherever we go, there's mold, right? It's, you can't really avoid it. Um, but we've seen the Lord use it as well in us to keep us on our, our knees before the Lord. Um, also keeps us moving. <laughs> and we've, we've probably moved about 15 times in the last couple years, um, both because of the nature of the missionary life and because of the, the necessity to have to move out of houses that we find ourselves in that have water issues, which then have mold issues. Um, so it has been a, one of those long-term health problems, which I'm sure some of you are familiar with. When you have a long-term health issue, it just, it can cripple you. Um, not only physically, but emotionally, and just become very fatiguing. And she can speak to that much more than I can. Um, but it has caused, a, caused us to, to need to rely on the Lord and not our own strength um, again and again and again. And it's brought us to great lows. And this, this journey um, to reach the unreached, I mean, first of all, these people don't want to be reached. That's why they're still unreached. Uh, second of all, they usually live in some of the hardest places in the world to access uh, that's why they're still unreached. And third of all, it, it can be um, um, hard on your health and your body going to a place like Chad um, and suffering from um, a mold allergy like my wife has. So it has taught us a lot. And yet the more we have leaned upon Christ, um, the more strong that we have found him to be. And I think that is, that is true for both of us. I would say that. We want to get your family up here um, to pray with you and for you, but I guess I'll give you guys the last like two-part question. Um, I know you mentioned this earlier in our time together, what it means to be really just kingdom-minded. Um, and in a, a association with that question, maybe what can the church do to be a part of being kingdom-minded with you in that way as you guys are in the field? I think... Um... I think for all of us, in general, and this comes right from 2 Corinthians, it's becoming comfortable with weakness and marveling in the glory of God. Weakness so that you don't rely on yourself and you trust in the sufficiency of Christ and glory so that you know why you're doing it and why it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think for all of us, it's, um, it's realizing that when Christ use us, uses us, it's often out of weakness it's often to show and display through our lives, through our family, through your church, that it is not by great strength, but it is through the mercy and the power of God. And I think that's why Paul describes us as jars of clay, which seemingly don't have much value except that the fact that he has put his treasure in them. And when we break and when we are broken, treasure of Christ pours out. Christ is, flows out of us. Um, if that is our focus, if the glory of God is the focus. So whatever you can do to be comfortable in being weak and marvel and grow in your love and um, your just your astoundingness of the glory of God, I would say, is, is central to whatever you do. But um, put missions as not something that is like a, a program, not something that's you know, part of what the church does, but as everything. Because as, as Christians, our, our desire is to worship a holy God, and we want, to know, we want others who do not know this God to worship him as well. And that is your mission. It is to extend the worship of Christ wherever you go, whether it's 
across the street into Madison or across oceans, our hope is in the glory of God and that he would be worshiped and exalted. Um, so I say that that covers like everything. Mm. Um, practically, I don't know if you have anything to, to add to that. But. Can I just, can you expound on, um, I'd heard it before, but when we were speaking together um, as, as elders with you guys, you, you said worship is a fuel of missions. Can you just expound on that a little bit more? Um, there's a, a pastor, you probably know his name is John Piper, and he wrote a book called Let the Nations Be Glad, and the first paragraph of the book is worth buying the whole book. Uh, the whole book is good, but this first paragraph, he says, he says, starts off, he says, missions exists because worship doesn't. Missions exist because worship doesn't. And worship, missions is not ultimate, but worship is. And then he says, worship is the fuel of missions because someday missions will be done and we will only worship. Amen. And I think that, that has sunk deep into my heart is that someday this, this journey of going to the unreached, to the ends of the world will be done. And I am so looking forward to that day where we don't have to labor and struggle and deal, deal with affliction and suffering and heartache and pain because the, the mission will be accomplished. But it is through worship. Worship is the fuel that is going to get you there. Worship is the fuel for how you're going to love your family, raise your kids, do your job. It's like you have in the foyer there. Whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Hmm. And I think that is, um, that's key to whether you're crossing oceans or not, is doing all for the glory of God with the aim for God to be the end goal and for worship to be the fuel that gets you there. I think of Psalm 34, um, which says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And it's only after we have tasted that we can call others to taste. And, um, you know, those places in our hearts that are unsatisfied, until they taste Christ, mm. can we then give Christ? Until we truly sit at his feet and receive, can we then give? And so I think... It's that tasting and seeing that he is good that fuels all of that. Amen. Well, I wish we could go on and on, um, but we want to get your family. But thanks for being here. This is why we wanted to do this, because kind of just joined in a living room together with them and to hear their hearts and to hear how God is moving in their lives and kind of the unknown as it is for many of us. Um, so thanks for joining us. We want to get your family up here, maybe as they're coming up here and the elders can come up and we're going to pray for them. Um, we, we want to have opportunity to, to just extend towards our church in ways that you can support them. Um, and yeah, come on up. Uh, give to them via monthly support or even today just a special gift that would help them in their ministry. Uh, but, but I want to have them maybe introduce real briefly and then we'll pray for them as a family as we've partnered with them and to just send them out. Yeah, and I would also add to that, there's a sign-up out under the TV where we usually have the missions information out there. So if you'd like to personally receive their newsletters into your own email inbox, we try to get them out there on the wall. We've taken all that down during COVID and need to get more information up there, but we'll continue to try to post newsletters physically, but also, just so you can be praying and connecting with them personally, it would be great to sign up for their um, email newsletter list, and you can find that out there in the comments. Yeah. Can we introduce real quick, and then we'll pray for you?
David. Naomi. Naomi. Jonathan. Jonathan. Anava. Jeremiah and Lilia. Jeremiah and Lilia. Yeah, she just wanted to see everyone. That's, well, as an extension of uh, you being a part of our church family and sending them back to wherever God has for them in the row, we want to just pray for you as elders and thank you for being here. And we're going to just trust the Lord with you on this journey. So um, maybe a couple of us can pray and then I'll close us. Father, we do thank you for the vote family. Um, Lord, we thank you that you've done much in their lives, and Lord, they would say, and we agree with, not to their glory, but to your glory, Lord, and it's been by your grace, and you have seen, you're intimately aware, and even have appointed, Lord, this difficult season most recently they've been been through, and um, Lord, we ask that you just continue to give them a season of rest and refreshment during their time in the States. And Lord, as, as they've given testimony to what we need most to be refreshed, to be at a place of rest, is, is at the feet of Jesus. And so mm. we, we pray that they would be able to do that, Lord, to um, have that time uh, with you. And Lord, we pray that you just give them clarity to, to what lies next for them, give them patience in that, give them um, continued obedience. Lord, continue to bless um, each of their children as well. We thank you for their heart for, for family and for um, just understanding of the importance of family discipleship, and we just pray that you would help each of their kids to continue to grow in the, the knowledge, knowing about Christ, but also knowing Christ personally, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Father, we just worship you today. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, your power, and see it so clearly demonstrated through the Vote family and all that you have been doing and are doing in and through them. And we want to honor and glorify you today and thank you so much for this family. Thank you that your hand is obviously so upon them with your power and your grace. And we pray that they might continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because to him be the glory forever. And, and Lord, would you just richly bless this family because of your rich generosity? Would you just lavish on them your love and grace and presence and Father, that they would trust you through this season, that they would trust you by the Spirit, that they would um, know that this church and many others are deeply supporting them in love and encouragement. And Father, uh, as they beautifully shared this morning, as they give themselves to you first, that, that they would know uh, the treasure they have in Christ. They would know the inheritance that uh, they have waiting and also can live in now and the blessing of knowing Jesus. And as Paul shared that, that he counted everything else a loss, mm. that he would know Christ in the power of his resurrection, that they would know that as a family, that the kids would know that, that they would be filled with joy and knowledge, uh, 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may you bless them again. And we thank you for their family. Would you care for them and all the needs that they have? And we pray these things in the wonderful, beautiful name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you very much. Well, we're going to stand together and sing our final song together. We've sung a lot of things about our Lord Jesus Christ today, uh, different things that he is to us. One of the most important things that's true of him is that he is our source of everything. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. So we're going to sing today to wrap up our service, Come Thou Fount, because we want to welcome that aspect of his presence today, Lord, and, and every day to be there to be that supply for all we need.